Okay, we're on. Am I audible? Am I? My? Do I sound like you can hear me clearly? Why can't you see me? I can't see you too well, but I can hear you. Wave your hand. Yes, I see you move. I see you move. It works. <laughs> Nobody move. Nobody <laughs> move from where they are. Everybody, all of you are in the right place. <laughs> Hi, welcome to take fifteen of stories with Shastri. I have Nikita Naiknavle coming on board today. Nikita is the founder of Lost the Plot. Yeah, we're going to discuss screening, licensing, movies, lots of fun stuff. And uh, Eid Mubarak, by the way, to those of you who are celebrating. And uh, I'm just going to wait for her to come on board and we can take it forward. I just made a great uh, meal of shakshika today, so I'm very happy. I had a very long day. Uh, I hope Nikita is doing well and we're just waiting for her to see where she is. I don't see what she is because I don't see if she can. I don't see her here. So I hope all of you are healthy. I hope all of you are staying sane. I hope all of you are doing things for yourself and uh, also realizing that sometimes you need to, you know, just chill. It's okay. Stuff happens. So I think I see her here. And uh, I am going to add Nikita to. I'm going to open like my list of questions for her by the time she gets added. Hi. Hey. How are you doing? Tell me what's how was your day today? Um, I'm doing good. Actually, I had a very very chilled out day. Um, uh, I I don't know. I hope Mondays like this continue. Uh, even in the post lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah. I had a pretty chill day. Um, uh, we ordered a. a Final player, so we're just testing that out. Hmm. Uh, okay. So for our uh, listeners, I, I thought you were saying something. I thought it got you stopped, and uh, I didn't realize. Go on. Uh no no I was just telling you about my day. It's fine. <laughs> we can we can continue. Tell me tell me tell me. Um. Oh, tell me. No, I mean it was a pretty full day. Uh, very very on Monday like, and we we got a. A vinyl player was completely attached. Uh, oh, you said vinyl player. Yeah. I thought you said vinyl, and then you stopped because you were like, "Oh, oh no!" <laughs> and that's why no, I said, "Okay, cool. Let some, me ease the tension." <laughs> some wine with this vinyl player would be pretty amazing, but uh, no such thing. Yeah, the vinyl player sounds cool. Yeah. But vinyl players sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So, uh, one thing we would I want our listeners to know is a little bit about you and about Lost the Plot. Okay. What do you want me to start? With? Uh, tell us about you. Start with you. Mm. Well, um, I don't know. Uh, not like you know what? Like we talked on the phone that day. I was thinking about this that. The last like five or six years that Lost the Plot has been uh, the center of my life. It really has been that. It's been like very much the center of my life. Um, so sometimes it's kind of difficult to think about like, uh, oh yeah, what else have I done the last four five years? But um, about me, uh, I grew up in Pune. Uh, I'm hmm. from Pune, just like you. 
and uh, yeah yeah it's my very cult i think i guess <laughs> um uh my folks kind of moved so my folks are from bombay they moved to pune after they got married and that's where we grew up and you know had like a regular i don't know west pune deccan childhood i guess where they get out of pune for much people also i never really yeah. know what that is <laughs> but uh yeah i was a pretty regular pune childhood i think like for us um when i was a kid you know coming to like kalyani nagar and koregaon park and stuff was like I don't know, just like another lifetime away. It was like a whole other city, you know. Um, yeah, it, I had some grandparents. It was quite like far. It was, and it was so green and so like you know forest-like. You, empty. You know, yeah, it was empty and um, so empty. Yeah, like so where like all the western and stuff is right now. Um, there used yeah. to be these like really nice restaurants along the river, uh, and yeah. uh, but it was like a forest around there, you know, like. It was literally it was so quiet. You could like hear like birds and animals and everything around, and you had to have like loads of kachua tap everywhere because there were that many mosquitoes. And it was a different city, actually. It was a completely different city. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I stopped there. I um went to boarding school um in uh, after the eighth standard. I I chose to go to a boarding school mm-hmm. in. Uh, Uh, in Kodaikanal. Um oh, wow. so yeah so yeah so I did um you know from the 9th to the 12th I was in a boarding school which was pretty fun um uh, I definitely one of the decisions that I will never regret uh, also taught me a lot obviously but uh, yeah it was a great experience um I made some amazing friends and had so Uh, and then I um, um, I went to college in the UK, so I spent a lot of time there, uh, about six years from when I was eighteen yeah. to I think around twenty-four or something. Um, It's a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was one of the reasons that I chose to come back. Uh, it had just been a really long time since I spent. You know, time at home with my family, for yeah. example, and I grew up in a joint family, so I was like very close to my grandparents. And, uh, they were getting old, so I kind of wanted to come back. Uh, but yeah, and then I moved so, back, and I decided to start law school. And that's about it. I would like to come to that before we do. You transitioned from. I we actually have a question that someone sent in. Uh, oh yeah. They wanted to know because they saw that you transitioned from international relations to law. Yeah. Yeah. So they went like, okay, this yeah. is exactly what I want to do. So they wanted to know what the transition was like, and uh, whether you have any universities with that name. Um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I you know had um kind of the opportunity to um and also the break to get into some pretty good schools. Um. So I did my IR at um the University of Saint Andrews in Scotland. Um. It was. It's considered a, like at least when I went to school, it was really considered a great school for IR, and we had amazing professors with um, some incredible, like not just amount of knowledge, but like real experience, you know, in the world. Um, and uh, the thing is that IR is like it's a very broad subject, so it's yeah. a great. I mean, I thought it was just like a wonderful grounding for. Just kind of understanding the world, you know, like it really broadens your perspective because it's essentially um, the relations between countries, 
you know, in, in like a really basic format. That's essentially what it is. It's how countries interact with each other. And but because that itself is such a large concept, there are so many things to break down. Like, what is a country, for example? Yes. You know, right from there to... So there's a lot that you can kind of explore. And um, it really helps you, uh, yeah, just kind of like understand the world better, I thought. Um, but uh, uh, I think like the reason that I decided to go into law after was uh, because I, I did come out of it feeling a bit like, okay, but like where are my tools? You know, like what what do I do with all this all this knowledge? And um, I uh, uh, I thought that you know um, law would kind of give me those tools, um, which of course it did. And I had already kind of been interested in the legal space. Um, and, and I love arguing with people, <laughs> so I thought that that might that might be that might work in my favor. Uh, uh, what's that no? noise? I think that noise would be my fan because the motor's got yeah. spoiled and no one's coming to. Oh shit! It it's possibly my fan too, to be honest. Um, yeah, maybe, I think it's one of our fans. Yeah, yeah. maybe you're a fan of ours. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Should I huh. try like to so, it off or something? I could, but then I'll be like, we could, I but we won't sweat. we sweat? Yeah, it's really yeah, hot, no, guys. No, I'm no, in no. Bombay. It's really, really hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, tune out the white noise. These are like skills for the 21st century. Tune out white noise. Yeah, There's going to be a cool. lot of it. <laughs> so, yes, the transition to law. Yeah, yeah. So, then I did this transition to law. And uh, the thing is that I, you know... Uh, it was like a I found a course basically that worked for me it gave me like a full law degree in two years instead of three uh, in the UK I went to City Law School in London and um, I think that um, um, so it, it really worked it was a great course it was uh, a lot of work because obviously it was you know compressing three years into two uh, so there was yeah. a lot going on and I very much enjoyed studying law uh, genuinely like but, but also like I think I just enjoy studying uh, I know that's yeah. a really uncool thing to say, especially out loud. But no, it's not. I didn't study. <laughs> but I, I really like to study, you know, a bit nerdy like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had a great time. I had a great experience in London. Um, my classmates were amazing. Uh, law itself was really cool. Um, again, though, it took me, like, at least, like, one uh, semester to kind of get into it because it's like you're learning a new language, you know. That's kind of what the law is. You have to understand the grammar before you can kind of start using a language. And it's, it's the exact same thing with law. Like, you have to kind of understand its grammar, its, uh, you know, where it comes from, and a lot of that doesn't mean you have to get into theory. But until you have that, you can't really crack it, you know. Um, so I did that, and that was great. Um, very much enjoyed the grammar part of it. But um, I wanted to, um, yeah, uh, That so that transition actually was very seamless. I mean, um, uh, I, I think it's a very natural, natural transition, to be honest, because the grounding that you get, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a course like IR is huge. And then when you kind of learn uh, law as a tool, um, you have so many options open to you and you know the legal legal space is like completely i mean it's so intricate there's so much opportunity um there can be huge impacts you know that you can create and 
uh, basically the two subjects are like you know they're like learning two different languages that will help you deal with the world um, yeah so yeah i uh, agree yeah yeah so for someone and especially if you want to practice as a lawyer um it's great i mean i i decided a little early on that that wasn't for me but if you do intend to practice as a lawyer um uh, go for it Okay. Now coming to Lost the Plot. So, yeah. uh, could you tell our listeners a little more about what Lost the Plot is about? How you ended up starting it? Can we take yeah. it forward? Yeah. Sure. So, um, so basically, when I was studying, when I was studying law, um, you know, I, I there was a large chunk of it that was focused on copyright law, and um, it just so happened that around that time, uh, all these outdoor screenings and like. Rooftop things and just open air screenings became a really big thing that summer in London. And um, of course, you know, being the UK, it's a summer activity because like ten months of the year the weather is awful. So um, it became like you know all outdoor things happen at once. Um, and it was wonderful. I I just I love I I had all like I've always loved the movies, but very much uh, you know on an audience footing uh, earlier and. Um, And actually, that's one of the things I'm trying not to lose <laughs> as I get into the more business side of stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, so I started kind of like exploring this idea of uh, what about creating this experience in India. I by that time I was fairly certain that I wanted to move back, um, and that was of course for like my own reasons. You know, having been at home and all of that, and. Um, I didn't want to, and and you know, like India was like there was so much happening back home, and I was like, what am I doing here? You know, like this feels a little stagnant, and uh, you know, what am I doing here? It should be back home where there's a lot more uh, yeah. happening. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's like you know the gospel in dream or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, how about uh, taking this experience back home and. So of course, the first thing I started doing was looking into like, um, how do you get the licenses to screen films publicly? Uh, for anybody looking to do public screening, which yeah. essentially means that it's a screening outside of a private film, um, uh, if you need a, a permission and license from the person who is the copyright, um, and there's a whole system you know, developed around this of uh, intellectual property law. Um, and I started looking into that, and then I realized like uh, that there is huge opportunity, you know, in the distribution space in India, and there are all these like intricate, interconnected reasons why, um, you know, uh, why we don't see a lot of non-Bollywood content in India. Of course, this was in like 2014, so um, you know, there was no Netflix in India at that point, and. Yeah, uh, we really only had theatrical viewing. That was like all, you know, like. Sorry. Yeah. But um, so I I started discovering a lot of these like intricate things that uh govern the film industry, you know, from the back end and how and why it is not uh good content isn't able to reach us or how the whole, for example, how the whole theatrical model even works, you know, like as a business model. So there was a lot that I was learning in that period, and um, I wanted to disrupt it. There was like really no other reason apart from that, um, and I wanted to kind of create this uh, like nice outdoor cinema experience. And at that point, I was on, honestly only looking at it as an experiment. So I was 
kind of like thinking about it in terms of Pune having amazing weather and like you know yeah. trying to stay. So and having amazing weather for like uh, eight months of the year, pretty much, you know. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I was kind of still looking at it as an experiment, and um, but yeah, I thought that I would sort of come home and try this, and uh, I felt that maybe the business side of things would also be more creative. uh which was something that i had felt missing while studying law so yeah that's how that happened that's pretty cool i remember i remember when i met you for the first time also it was uh, through your cousins because i went i know them to school yeah. and uh i remember hearing about you from my seniors i don't know uh, there was a bunch of friends of mine like i i don't know if you i don't even think i don't know if i can take their names right now bunch of seniors of mine from school and they go like oh nikita starting this whole thing it's called lost the plot and it was this entire concept that puna had never heard of and i don't think there anybody else around the country was doing it either were they yeah i mean not at that time um that was that was the first kind of like outdoor or definitely the first rooftop cinema experience yeah. that uh, india had ever seen um um i think there have been a couple of like drive-ins and you know those old school like but that was like i, I believe in like there was one in the 80s in bombay and there's one in ahmedabad which is still running super successfully uh since you know the 1970s crazy um but there was no like really like concept around film screenings as uh, events or in non casual spaces and that ties actually back to the whole distribution angle of things The reason I think that those things don't ex- didn't exist in India was because um, that stream of licensing, uh, I would say more yeah. licensing than distribution, but yeah, this, that stream of distribution has never existed in India where, um, you know, uh, you can officially get a license from a rights holder for a screening in an alternate space. Um, it, it exists everywhere in the West. Um, and uh, the way that copyright works is that you know the world is divided into different territories and you can kind of sell and buy rights based on territory or maybe for a large yeah. chunk of territory or a specific country or you know, there are a lot of like combinations like that but um uh but in the west it exists uh, you it's called non theatrical exhibition so yeah. uh, it basically means uh, all the uh, exhibition space which means Essentially, spaces where screenings are happening um, that are not a theater, uh, because right. yeah, so that didn't exist here in India, and um, that was like the thing that I wanted to kind of that was what I decided that maybe I could um, you know, do or kind of see so an opportunity. So, how does it feel to pioneer something like that? Because now rooftop cinema is something that I see all around. So how do you feel to be the first one to do it in the country? Uh, honestly, uh, at the time it was really scary. Okay. <laughs> But did you realize that you were creating, pioneering something like that? I think, like, I think I did, but I didn't really like uh, understand the gravity of it at the time. Yeah. Uh, definitely. and uh also uh you know i i think i kind of romanticized it a bit which is of course what you need to start something but yeah. uh you know uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I think I didn't understand like definitely the gravity of it at that point. I'm 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 still not sure I do to be honest. But um, I also what I didn't expect was that uh, things would move so quickly. Um, I wasn't expecting uh, kind of like like you know distributors and even major studios to be as uh, open as they were to give us. Um, the right to screen their films. Of course, we're paying for all of this because that's the heart of copyright. So, um, but but every, like all the screenings that we've done at Lost Cloud have been uh, legally licensed right from the start. So, um, you know that that part of it, I I just did like on a whim. I kind of spent six months writing to like every studio under the sun and like whatever website that had a contact tab. Uh, that belong to some studio, I just like wrote to them, and then one studio decided to write back in the six months, which is amazing because they really like. I, I mean, that was a big deal in itself, and then you know, it was a lot of follow up. It was a lot of reaching out to people and kind of telling them that this is what we want to do, and you know, so yeah, like yeah. there was there was a lot of kind of uncertainty and work. So, um, yeah, I didn't really feel like I was. Um, you know, pioneering something as such—it's quite a lot of <laughs> So you know, was was there a studio where you thought you okay? I probably am not going to get a response out of this, but you actually got one, and you were shocked that that ever I happened. I was pretty sure I was not going to get a response from any of the studios, but I think <laughs> like I was not expecting a response at all, like at all, honestly. Uh, I was like, I wonder how. I just, I was like, I wonder what happens if you like write to Miramat, you know, just like a random person. Yeah, did Miramat reply? No, Miramat never replied. We have access to their content though, but they never reply. Oh. So, um, yeah, this is sad. Um, but um, uh, but yeah. So um, but one studio did reply, and then you know, I they put me in touch with a a couple of distributors who, um had access to the India territory um, because that also happens like you know different rights go to different distributors for particular territories so I yeah. had to find one who could give us licenses for India specifically um, and and I think what happens is that once the thing is that all of copyright is dependent on a contract that you sign so, um, so, so all terms and conditions are varied but uh, but yeah, so then I, I finally managed to find a distributor in that case. Um, I also found that there was a huge amount of independent films in India, you know, who were just dying for spaces to screen movies. So that was kind of like my second strategy uh, in terms of getting right. content to screen, uh, writing to all the indie people here. Because I was 100% sure that... Uh, Nobody in Bollywood would definitely respond, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know anyone in any film space. So, uh, yeah, right. So we have someone just said something. I, I think it's gone all the way up there. Okay, yeah. a witty, smart, intelligent, passionate cinema lover, entrepreneur, running out of objectives to this ad- adjectives to describe Nikita. So, Nikita, I want to ask you this. Uh, other than all of this, how would you describe your work and your field of work and uh, yourself in three adjectives? Three adjectives? Um, yeah. Field of work? Um, 
feel the work um complicated hmm. um complicated uh very rewarding um i've found it to be very rewarding uh, um a lot of fun I mean, it's the movie. What a fun! <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's a big part of kind of why I do this. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It matches like my, you know, like my uh, nerdy side to like my kind of random side. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much so why. There's a lot of like admin stuff which I kind of secretly enjoy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it works. Oh, I'm glad. How did you come up with the name Lost the Plot? Uh, uh, how did you, um so it was just random. It took like a whole day and a half of talking about it. So um so I started doing all of this research while I was still in London and my my best friend from uh, college Tenali um Lily She also moved to London with me. Um, so we, by this point, had you know, known each other for six years. Um, hello, hi, hi, Julian. Um, and uh, so she was kind of like my sounding board. Uh, a lot of, lot of uh, the initial parts of it, and you know, she had a lot. She had some experience in film, some other an actress in Germany, and um, so she was. She, so we we talked a lot and. Basically, I was just, uh, you know, bouncing off all these ideas around her, and she came to spend the day with me, and then we just started talking, and we were just talking, talking about how this could go and where it could go, and I was like, you know, I want to. Um, there were a lot of, uh, there were a few other options that came, and I was like, I wanted, because I wanted to also do something where we screen these like. You know, cult classics that I grew up on, and like I grew up on a lot of Hollywood. You know, I, I really did. Yeah. So, um, so I wanted to kind of bring those things back and, um, uh, like add a sense of nostalgia. So I knew that it was going to be something which needs to appeal to an urban and a, uh, you know, east and west kind of a audience. Um, and then I, at the same time, I wanted it. to do something fun and so we basically just spent a whole day walking around sitting in our apartment talking walking around london and we uh, had wanted to go and check out this one speakeasy bar which actually existed in a uh, breakfast uh, place like it's like a breakfast restaurant and every time we had gone there before that was like manageful because also the speakeasy had like four tables so <laughs> you know yeah. it was always full And until and like it was cool because if you went there just for breakfast, you wouldn't know there's a bar underneath because the yeah. access to the bar was inside this giant fridge, fridge door. Oh, wow. So we were like, okay, let's go. And it was like a random weekday, so it was like a Monday. So we went there and um, yeah, then we just kind of came up with it. Like we just talked about it a lot. I wanted it to be something that like would be catchy. And uh, some people might know it because in my childhood, like this idea of "Have you lost the plot?" It's like a very old phrase, you know. Like it's like it means "Have you lost it?" Have you gone mad? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in Marathi, it's like "Thakle ka," like what? Yeah. So it it just felt right at that point, and I was like, I'm curious to see how many people no one remember this phrase. So how about like we try it? So. 
That's pretty cool. Someone just asked, how was studying in Scotland and how was it different from different than London? Oh, um, how was studying in Scotland? It was great. Um, I went to a very small town though. Uh, I was tiny, like three streets. Um, and to be honest, I wanted to go there specifically. Uh, I specifically wanted to go to a small place. Because I have gone to boarding school in a really small place. Like Kodai Canal is also tiny, you know. Yeah. And uh, Pune, at, at least at the, till that point, was not really that big of a city. Yeah. yeah. Was, I, I hate and, how it's growing. I can't deal with it. It, yeah, it breaks my yeah. heart. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's a strange place for me. Um, I think. But anyway, so I wanted to go to a small place. I did not want to go to a city. I was very sure of that. So actually, I didn't even apply to any colleges in London. Um, my dad was pretty keen that I stay in the UK because he wanted, you know, he was like, you'll have access to Europe, so that's amazing. And at the time, I really thought with him about this. Because all my friends yeah. were in the States. But, um, but I'm very glad that, you know, that's part of the decision for me. And uh, Scotland is beautiful. It's so different. It's, I was in a really tiny town, so I got to see a lot of the countryside. Um, yeah. the village in Andes has a beach. So it's, it's freezing. So it's not like you can like sunbathe or go swimming or anything. It's freezing. Yeah. The water is the North Sea. So it's like, you know, it goes to the North Pole. Um, but it's just nice to have the sea around. So, um, yeah. So it was really nice. And then London was great. It was like a big city. Initially, I was a bit afraid of it. Um, I think it's just I wasn't used to being in a big city. Yeah. Uh, so initially, it wasn't the rush that scared you? It was just a bit lonely, actually. I didn't know that huh. many people at that point. And, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's okay. As soon as my class, law classes started, and you know, I started kind of making friends, it was great. It's, it's, at that point, it was a really fun um, city. It's like there's so much to explore, and like you know, public transport there is incredible. So I basically yeah. just lived on that. It makes you really independent. Um, at the same time, the first go, like zone one and zone two are like very easy to navigate even on a walking or on a cycle or something, which is what I had. So it was fun. That's cool. I have, I have a few questions that I put out and some people asked some of them mm-hmm. and uh, about, you know, what they wanted to ask you about licensing yeah. and screening. For those of you who just joined, I am talking to Nikita Naiknavre. She is the founder of Lost the Plot. And uh, this is take 15 of Stories with Shastri. And uh, so someone asked, what is the process of getting the license to screen a film involved? Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said, um, all of copyright law and a lot of intellectual property law gets in contract. Um, so, the individual terms and conditions will depend on what you sign on that contract. Um, also, I just want to put it out there, this is not a replacement for legal advice. If yeah, you have yeah. something specific that you uh, want to apply this to, I would really recommend you take actual legal advice and discuss your personal detail. Um, this is yeah. just me yeah. sharing experience. Um, yeah, please note that nothing that is said on this is meant to be construed as legal advice. Yes. I'm going to say that as the person doing this. <laughs> so, Thank you. No, well nothing either of us say. Yeah. Just because she's a lawyer doesn't mean she's giving you advice right now. Yeah. You're not here. 
This is a WhatsApp call and you're eavesdropping. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So what it involves is essentially finding out um, who owns the rights and then who is their representative for your segment. So when a film's copyrights are sold, they're sold for different sectors, uh, which okay. essentially means. Uh, the avenue in which you're going to show the film. So, mm. uh, you know, it has the, the traditional and the oldest sector is, of course, the theatrical sector. So that's your theaters, regular, single screen, yes. multiplex theaters. Um, then, with technology evolving and TV entering the picture, you have satellite rights, which is essentially all your uh, cable TV channels. Yeah, um, then, uh, um, you know, so that I think was, was there for a while and then quick, pretty quickly soon when home entertainment first came into the picture in the format of VCR. Yes. Yes, not OTT, VCR, not Netflix. Yes. Um, so that was a whole like segment of, you know, sector called the home entertainment sector, uh, where basically the film goes into living rooms, into homes. Um, so that went from VCR to series to DVDs um, to that bit. And then for a long period of time, it was just DVDs until um, Netflix sort of, and then there were like variations of within these. But then it's like, um, and now we have OTT, which is uh, over the top streaming, which yes. is essentially on Netflix. Uh, yeah, your Amazon so, Prime and yeah. all so interestingly, what 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 sort of happened is that you know when in the seventies and the eighties when it was just about eighties um, nineties uh, rather there were you had um, VCRs and DVDs especially when DVDs and Blu-rays came in the picture. Uh, obviously, that's also the internet boom. So this is when piracy yeah. takes off, right? Because you can essentially take something on a disc and put it on the internet for free. Um, and you have people doing this because, you know, movies are such crazy. They've gone more and more and more access to things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll do anything to get, yeah, to get the anything, right anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that kind of passion that exists out there. But, um, but yeah, so what eventually that, but what that does is that it, it kind of harms like the ecosystem. Um, yes, I mean, maybe it doesn't like per se harm a studio because yeah, studios have big money and you know, all of that. Yeah. But what it does mean creates a really imbalanced ecosystem where, um, you know, um, you have to kind of like when this, where, where producers start thinking that, uh, okay, I gotta make something which is gonna make me money quick only in the theater and maybe TV space because as soon as you put it on a DVD, it's going to get pirated and lost forever. There's no money coming back from it. So I can only yeah. now, so I should probably make content which is going to make a big noise, you know, in the theater yeah. space, and then eventually go to TV. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of like changes the thinking in the ecosystem. And what happens is, it's always the independent art that suffers, right? If the ecosystem yeah. is not uh, kind of... Uh, the circle is broken somewhere in the middle. Um, it's the indie film that suffers most because uh, anyway, there'll be lesser risk takers on them. Uh, yeah, I feel like the circle is a line somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's independent, it's not, uh, you know, it is. It's a bigger risk. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what happens in the, in the thing, in that space. So, 
Uh, essentially, if you want to start your own streaming, you have to figure out which sector you want to do it in. Um, if you want to just host an event. So, okay, so basically now where were we? We were at OTT, which is Netflix and stuff. And then you have just on-ground streamings which are not outside your home. Um, and that's yes. the non-theatrical sector that, uh, right. you know, lots of plot kind of represents and also explores to host our streams. Um, so any kind of event that is happening uh, around the screening, any kind of screening event that is happening, um, is is in this sector, which essentially allows you to use a DVD or Blu-ray, but for a public show by paying an additional right. license. So right. yeah, so you need that. Okay. So something someone asked. Another question that someone asked actually was that: Do private non-commercial screenings for a for a large gathering require any licenses or permissions? Um, private. I mean, uh, I suppose if it's in your home. Um, no large gathering, right? So large gathering yeah, would probably so, constitute. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. To be honest, it would need to be decided okay. on a case by case basis. Um, okay. I know that some some groups have sort of uh, taken, you know, there's a format where you take donations for like living room shows. I think it happens in the live yeah. industry a lot, um, where you have these smaller scale uh, shows, living room yeah. shows yeah. that happen and then you yeah. take donations. Um, I think that's fine there because, you know, the artist is there and your the donations are going to the artist. But if you're taking these donations um, for a film where... Uh, you know, the copyright holder is not getting this, any part of this yeah. donation, royalty, then that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. If it's for, yeah. like, you know, a filmmaker, you, you host it and they're there or they've given you permission, then I, I don't... Like, that's the thing, right? Then you have the filmmaker's permission. So you have the copyright holder's authority to host this screen. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the difference. I think you did. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. whatever extent we could have. Uh, we have another question that someone asked. What are do's and don'ts for first-time producers in terms of uh, licensing for various things or for low-budget movies and stuff yeah. like that and pitching to uh, OTT platforms? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I would... Um, um, I, I've never, like, produced anything, like, uh, very much in the exhibition and distribution space. Yeah. Um, so uh, I can probably answer those questions much better. Uh, but for um, the production side, um, you know, there are, I mean, there are a bunch of lives happening. Actually, Lost of Plot did um, an Instagram live with uh, uh, a film producer and distributor, Sheila uh, Bora. He, um, he's, you know, supported a lot of independent films. Uh, he's, you know, one of the chief producers of films like Nathan and Newton. So we oh, wow. had a one, yeah, we had a great discussion with him about this whole space, about um, what are the options for uh, visibility for indie films, what are the options for um, producers sticking to OTT, how does the distribution space work? Um, so anybody who wants to know that in more detail, you can go to the Lost Plot IGTV and uh, find find it there. Um, but from my side, uh, 
I would, I would, uh, I would say that like as a first time like producer, um, you know, don't be too quick to kind of sell your rights. Um, because also yeah. as a first time producer, you should be thinking about, um, sort of making your mark, you know, because the whole film industry is very much, um, you need to have a certain repertoire of work for people to take it seriously, you know. And if, if this is your very first film, I would, I would sort of suggest that um, don't sell your rights off immediately. Uh, it's very important to think about, like, what kind of film you're making and where is this audience primarily. That's, that's one of the main things. You need to figure out what is the channel that you want your, your film to be seen on. And yeah, of course, for everyone, the obvious answer is like everywhere. You want yes. everyone to see it everywhere. Of course, you made it from fashion. But that's not true and that's not beneficial. So you need to put in the research to figure out where your audience is, especially as a producer. Um, and how do you, what is the best avenue to get your film to that audience? So whether it's polls or social media or putting out, you know, survey on your friends, I don't know. There, there are many ways, like, as basically starting an Instagram page and seeing how many people like it and where they're from. I mean, there's all kinds of insights that, that social media gives you. Um, so that's really important, um, uh, you know, for you to kind of make that connect and then think about which is the best platform and company running a platform for Michael. So, but you really need to think about your film and where the audience is for before rushing to tell your eyes to yeah. Don't do that. I didn't hear what you said last. You got cut off from my Oh, side. I said don't do that. Don't rush to sell your rights to anyone. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think it makes a lot more sense to protect your rights for anybody, whether you're a creator yeah. or you're a producer or a creator. You yeah. And get legal advice on the contract that you eventually sign. Yes. Definitely get legal advice. Be smart advice. about get your someone, contracts. Protect. Yeah. You get someone to go through it with like, yeah, a toothpick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the amount of times I've realized I've done such a great job with any contract that, I, you know, I'll pat my back for, you know, 20-year-old Sangavitra mm. being a smart cookie. So it 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 works. Yeah, it's very so important. speaking of, speaking of making a mark, what is it? I don't know if you have uh, if what the gender ratio is in the exhibition and distribution space mm-hmm. and the screening space. So what is it like to be a woman in that particular industry? Because I don't know anything about it. Ah. Uh... So I mean, the thing is that it's it's a very it's a very male dominated world. The whole distribution and sales angle of it, um, it very much is. You know, it's because I think in some ways, um, a lot of it is down to negotiation. You know, um, yeah. how how much can you negotiate um, the value of the film and how much for? Uh, so it's a very sort of like um, hard like, cash conversation kind of. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's of course becoming a lot more professional now, and especially as more and more production houses are becoming 
very professional, very like up to Western standards. Everyone has their own like legal teams and everything, you know. Um, that's happening in India a lot. So in the larger teams, there are definitely more women that I interact with. And uh, there are a lot of, I've, I've interacted with a lot of women from the studio space. Um, so for example, yeah. you know, with Warner Brothers or Disney or anything like that. Like I've mostly interacted with women there uh, in the corporate world. Um, but um, in the indie, like, I mean, for, to be honest, there isn't that much of a space, you know, like with amongst like the independently running distribution companies that I deal with, it's mostly been all men. Um, and um, it's been all right. I mean, I don't know. I, I tend to kind of think of like the positives a lot. Um, so, for example, yeah, yeah. I think one thing that kind of works for me, and I don't know if this is a gender thing, but people think I'm really young. Like, they think I'm much, they think I'm younger than I am. And, uh, okay. that works. I thought you were younger. Yeah, it works for me sometimes. I, I kind yeah. of have learned to make that work for me. Um, you know, so you, I, I mean, I, I try not to think of what I'm doing in like, um, you know, large sort of like, in, like in like the whole like defi- defining it, you know. Um, I think it's also that like there are so many things. It's not just whether it's a difficulty I've had or where it happened that people don't take me seriously, maybe because I look young. Yeah. But the thing is that there are so many things in there, right? It's, maybe it's because I look young. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. But it could also be that I have like very little experience in this space. I've not yeah. worked with any corporate before. Uh, you know, they have not, it have not sort of approached them through a network, um, you know, so, so, and, and those are all very common aspects of business, especially in India, you know, all of these things, like the business world is like a very like, you know, networking, like kind of a world. So it, 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 it could be any of those reasons. So I try not to attribute it to any one thing. Um. But rather just kind of learn from that experience or that engagement, whether it worked out for me or not. Uh, because there's always something to learn and there's always some little nugget of knowledge that will get slipped your way and you don't want to forget that. So, um, I try not to think too much about, uh, you know, why that happened or, you know, it could be any one of these things and these things are not in my control. So there's no point in blaming them. Right. Yeah. You are, you have a point. Uh, someone just asked, what are the challenges you are facing in scaling up Lost the Plot? Oh, um, so to be honest, like the last five years that I've been running this, uh, I, uh, it has gone through many different business models. Um, it has not existed as the one single business model and that's because I wanted to try different things. I wanted to try every aspect of the space that I'm sort of getting into. Um, also yeah. because I had the opportunity to, you know, it's not just like I decided I want to try it. The opportunity presented itself, so I was like, let me do this. So let me choose this way out of it. So I, um, so in terms of scaling it up, I wanted to understand every uh, part of the puzzle before I thought about what aspect to scale up with. And I don't yeah. know, I, um, I like trying things for myself. I've always yeah. been like that. I've been like that since I was like five. So, um, you know, I want to mm. try things myself. 
so that's probably why it's taken a little bit longer um i also didn't want to really uh, yeah and i wanted to understand the space so uh, much much better and um so so if there is one major challenge i would actually attribute it to this itself where uh i did not i have i spent all this time not picking a particular way of doing things um but now that we sort of have um you know we've got to a point that i wanted to be at uh um let's see you know uh, it's only been a year or yeah. a year and a half since we've been in this whole film distribution and licensing space and i think there's a lot more scope in it um it's more interesting work to me um and uh, yeah let's see Do you think OTTs have affected? Uh, do you think OTTs have affected uh, what you do as a licensing uh, and streaming oh, organization? OTTs have affected everyone. <laughs> OTTs yeah. have changed our lives, <laughs> but um, definitely, you know, um, it's been an interesting thing to see actually the rise of OTTs. because yeah uh, it boomed suddenly yeah it is and uh, it's just it, the thing is that i really admire it for the whole uh, sector actually for uh filling that niche that 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 problem mm-hmm. of convenience you know i don't know if it's a problem but that's for a different debate um but uh, they saw a great opportunity and they went for it and it's just like it's the same thing and sort of need that thing like Swiggy salt right but they they bring yeah. it straight to your hand it's so convenient food is so convenient and things are so convenient so um from that point of view and you have so many options so options also expand right so from that yeah. point of view i think um sure it it, it might make like uh, some elements of you know what what we're trying to do in terms of building communities uh, outside in a public space um a little bit harder because you know there often times you may not be able to give them that feeling of discovery because something is already on an OTT platform you know yeah so so definitely that was something and that was actually something that i was really worried about initially when like photo shooting and everything to india was getting stressed out about it and stuff But I'm now learning to see it in a very different light. Um, I think that we could actually be partners because uh, with the OTT space, because I see how saturated it is. People have not, yeah. no idea what it's called. No difficult. Even like as my, like as you said, you know, obvious. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I think, I think like from the duration point of view. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you back. Yes. Ah, okay, cool. Huh. So I think from yeah from that point of view I think that you know what we do and the kind of communications we put out would would really help with the OTT space and it kind of like is nice because it really keeps me in touch with uh, what it feels like as an audience to watch a film rather than always thinking about how to draw people to this thing like you know instead of that whole feeling of oh god now I have to explain why this film is wonderful <laughs> you know so. Um, yeah. So that's been kind of nice, um, and also what I realized is that uh, it increases the focus on that one screening when people do step out. You know, yeah, um, yeah. when you do go out for a movie, uh, it 
that experience has to be for something amazing so i'm hoping that it will help me focus more on the content side of things maybe the indie content side of things or maybe the experience side of things which will give you the opportunity to make that experience something really different wow. yeah yeah So we have another question asking you where do you see yourself a few years from now professionally and what are the three things you cannot live without Oh wow It's Who is this person asking all these cool questions why did I not think Okay I don't need to ask friend Oh wow I will I will I will I would love to have you on board <laughs> yeah. yeah um okay so when she thinks i cannot live without um films <laughs> um definitely films um what else i guess my my friends i don't know uh, your work <laughs> my friends i guess friends and family oh i'm not sure your specs No. I don't know I can oh, I can that is like from a very practical point of view yes. I, can't, I can't see without them really so, that's bad no I mean like I can't see far so like when I'm in Pune I drive everywhere I can't drive without my spectacles that's a health hazard for the road so yeah, you see me in um, public I have spectacles so I'm always like I'm always squinting and everybody thinks yeah. I'm just upset and then when yeah. I can't I just it's just that I can't see yeah yeah and it's so frustrating because I'm just like now all my senses are trying to focus on that one sense of seeing so this is very annoying <laughs> okay so, um okay what else but, uh but yeah i guess the movies and you know the facts and uh, uh what else god uh honestly i believe there are so many things that i can't live without this whole quarantine has made me realize that <laughs> all of my hobbies and most of my work is considered non essential so it's okay. been like a very you know must uh, have been an eye opener it has it has become an eye opener for sure definitely i been an eye opener and so i've very much enjoyed this um yeah same yeah it's been I mean, great. I, contrary to popular opinion but still <laughs> yeah it's been, of course it's not been easy but uh uh it uh, it has been it has been uh, in terms of realizing i feel like even i i feel like even easy comes from like a place of like you know whether or not we think it easy or not comes from a place of privilege i have never yeah. realized how totally. privileged i was before this totally. i mean i knew it but i never yeah. realized it There's, yeah. there's, it's a world of a difference. Okay. Yeah. Totally. So, where do you see yourself a few years from now, professionally? Uh, professionally, um, so actually, hope I, I'm, I'm sort of hoping to do this similar thing to what I'm doing now. Um, hmm. I just hope that I'll be running a slightly bigger, a bigger outfit. I don't want to turn this into a huge. Company, to be honest, I, I like compact outfits, like compact, efficient yeah. outfits, uh, where you can you can really like trust someone and you can like yeah. So I um I, I also don't enjoy like hierarchy at all <laughs> because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very difficult to answer to people. So 
um i would rather run like something that's a very horizontal compact kind of thing so i hope that i will be doing that i hope that i would have been um involved with the making of films more definitely um good i think it i think right now is actually where i'm feeling that whole thing again of okay now i feel like i need to learn a different skill set you know i want tools to do something yeah. um and and actually through the quarantine i did this really amazing assistant direction course and it was oh, nice. on yeah uh, a friend of mine who works in the industry he's running it he's actually doing his last uh, batch right now a new batch that's going to be the last one and i highly recommend it to anybody who wants to sort of understand <laughs> what it is to be a director um I mean what is the uh, job of the director you know like if you want, it's yeah. a very hands on practical course and you really understand like uh, the the like actual skill set sort of that you need to be an assistant director what makes the machinery move you know what makes yeah. the machinery so all these people <laughs> that are doing actual tangible jobs on set and so it was great so i'm i'm really excited about that though i'm excited to be like kind of putting myself out there a little bit in terms of the filmmaking style. That sounds pretty cool and that brings us to the end of this episode. And uh one last question though. What what what's the coolest indie movie you have seen recently? Indian indie movie. Uh, Indian indie movie. So, uh I watched a very interesting movie last month uh on movie uh called catfish um, okay it was it's a bengali film and it's about uh the really really like like the bottom rung of um drug addiction basically in cal and like you know like the very seedy kind of what we assume is very seedy world yeah. um, and uh, it wasn't an easy watch to be honest, um, while watching it. Um, and I think there are a lot of polarized opinions out there about the film. But it's just beautifully shot. It's, like, uh, it's all black and white and some of the things, the way they were staged, is really, really moving. And, I, and I, it's one of the films that, you know, I um, thought about a lot more after I watched it. Uh, right. That happened. Rather than, yeah. So that was, that was a very interesting experience. And another great yeah. independent film I watched was Kamyab on uh, Netflix. What's it called? Kamyab. Kamyab. I want to watch that. Yeah, I want to that watch that. Funny. But I'll also watch this one. Thank you for coming on board. This was so much fun. Um, you were lovely and I hope you get everything you want out of Lost the Plot. I hope you finally go and make that film of yours. And... Uh, <laughs> I hope people now finally stop looking at it as the fun film page on Instagram. So eventually. <laughs> well, we're okay. going back to. But yeah, thank you. Also, <laughs> see you. Bye. Bye.